You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We have in the Bible a Holy Father. We have a Holy Bible. He is called Jesus the Holy Son. He, he, he is the Holy One. We have the Holy Spirit. We, we have the Holy Ground. We're standing on Holy Ground, Exodus 3. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Uh, we have a holy place. This is called God's house. We have holy people. There's a holy city coming down, Revelation 22, 19. There's the song and there's the scripture, Revelation 4, 8. And they cried, holy, holy, holy of our Lord, who he is. There are holy hands that we lift up, holy hands to God. There are holy deacons. The Bible declares that deacons are to be holy men of God. Very obvious tonight, I want to speak to us about personal holiness. And again, as I, before I came out, I kneeled there in my office and said, Father, I, Father, I feel so inadequate for this. I hope it doesn't come across like I'm so arrogant, I'm so holy, and you people are so bad. Uh, quite frankly, when you get in the pulpit and preach, you feel this big. I, I pastor holy people. And I thank God for your testimony. Holiness, personal holiness. Well, I'm gonna leave that church. It has so many rules. We don't have many rules. We guess about to serve the Lord, there's about 13 rules we have. That's about it. They're easy. You gotta be saved, that's one. Gotta to go to church, that's two. Gotta tithe, that's three. They're very small. Be a member here. Just have to be saved and baptized and love God. I can't tell you, you know, don't eat sauerkraut. I can't tell you what to do. It's not my, I can preach. You're going to have to make that decision. I'm leaving the church. So many rules. Well, you ought to have more rules in your life than the church has over your life. There ought to be some rules in your marriage that you as a husband and wife have set up. We're not going to do this. When you have children, there ought to be some rules that you have created. We're not going to do this. We're not going to, you're going to decide, but we had children at home. We never traveled on Sunday during church. I'm not traveling on Sunday. I'll travel on Sunday afternoon. I'll travel Sunday night after church. I'm going to church. Now, you decide. That's not a Baptist rule. You're gonna, I think you, you should have rules and that keep you in holiness higher than your church. If, if that's all it is, the church gave you, here's something that you ought to do. I, I, for me, I, I would not have a job, I would not have a job that made me go on a business trip with another woman. I would not take a, a luncheon with another woman, a client, I'm not gonna do that. I love that lady too much. Now, you say, well, I can do it. Well, then if you feel I can do it, do it. I, I don't want to sit across the table with an, another woman that's not my wife and have lunch with her. That's awkward. Holiness. What is holiness? It's the word sacred. 
There are things in our life, our life that ought to be sacred. Our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our words, our actions, our deeds, they ought to be sacred. There ought to be a, a holiness about them. It's the word to be blameless. Nothing sticks is what blameless is. Deacons need to be blameless. Nothing sticks. Accusations don't stick. Are, are you, and pastor and deacons, are we, are, are we holy? Uh, holy means to be consecrated. It means to be set apart. It means to be sanctified. God, God ought to put more demands on your life through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God than a pastor puts on you. I ought to have more rules in my life than you would have in your life. I'm supposed to be the shepherd. I'm supposed to protect your soul. And if I'm supposed to protect your soul, then I ought to live by a higher standard. Now, I look at some of you Christians right now. I look at the chairman of my board of deacons. I, I feel like I can't touch the hem of his garment. I feel like, my goodness, I meet with those deacons and I look around that room. I have 41 deacons and I look at them. So, so many of them, I think, my goodness, men of God, Loyal to the Word of God, loyal to the things of God, loyal to the house of God, loyal to uh, God, God Almighty. And I try to live as God would have me live, and yet it still falls short. Paul said it this way of himself, oh, wretched man that I am. There are times I felt like I should not pastor this church. I was being faithful to my wife and all. I'm not, I just feel like to, to stand in that position, it is so sacred. God wants us to be holy. And if I could redo it, I would try to live in greater holiness and lead this church in greater holiness. All my relatives are all home with the Lord except for one uncle and aunt, and they're very, very elderly, nearing 100. All the aunts and uncles are gone, probably 30-some, gone. Most of our preachers are involved in the work of the Lord somehow. But I had one that wasn't a Baptist. She was a Nazarene. In her last couple of years of her life, she came to our church, and she was here. She moved from Lancaster, California, where she was a, a, a Nazarene, and she came here. She was such a delight. Nazarenes used to build buildings, and you see them around the country still, little church buildings. They were never very large. And the Nazarenes had etched into the, above the doorway outside of their buildings, holiness unto God. Holiness unto God. That's a good thing. God's people need to be holy. I want you to see with me in 2 Peter, I'm going to ask you to use your Bible. I've already cut out some of my message that won't be as long as I had planned. But in chapter three, 2 Peter 3, let's read verse 11. I'm going to have you read some verses with me tonight. Let's read 2 Peter 3, 11, where it begins with the word seeing then. Ready? Begin. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. God wants holy 
behavior. Go with me to 1 Peter, and you probably know where we're going, 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, the Bible says this in verse 14, and I'll have you read 15 and 16. Chapter 1, 14, as obedient children, not fashion yourselves according to the uh, the, uh, uh, the, according to the former lust in your ignorance. Verse 15, 16, ready, begin. But as he which hath called you. This is not a suggestion. God wants us holy. Our music ought to be holy. The way we play our instruments ought to be holy. The way we walk, the way we dress, the way we talk. We should, not have, we should not have one attire as the Christian attire and one attire that's the world's attire. We ought to look like a Christian all the time. I'm glad I'm not a Christian just on Sunday. I want to be a Christian 24-7. I'm saved. I think I'll look like a Christian. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, the great marriage chapter. In Ephesians chapter 5. And if you look with me, please, in Ephesians 5, verse number uh, 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Let's read verse 26, <clears throat> pardon me, and 27 together. Ready? Begin. That he may sanctify. In verse 26, I like that word cleanse, and I was just rejoicing here when Pastor Everson prayed. He prayed that we'd be cleansed. He used that word tonight. I said, Lord, there's more confirmation. I just think you used him to comfort my heart because that's what we're talking about. To be holy is to be cleansed. Search me, oh God. That song is called Cleanse Me. Know my heart today. Try me, O Savior. Go back to chapter 1, please. And know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Would you read that together? Ephesians 1, 4. It begins with the word according. Ready? Begin. see, tonight, God wants me to be holy. I'm not preaching to the person next to you. I'm preaching to you. But the truth is, I'm preaching to me. I'm more bothered about me than I am about you. You know, tonight, that all of us would like to have some redos. I'd like to have some redos in holiness. When I was a young boy, I got saved, but I still had a real bad temper in my heart. I didn't explode that often. I'd just get angry. And I can remember I'd get angry, and I'd say words that if my parents heard them, I'd say them under my breath, swear words. I'd swear. And then because of that, I would, I, not often, but once, and I would doubt if I was saved. You know, sin always makes you doubt. And if you don't have to get saved 45 times to get saved once. You know, that's all it is. But, but sometimes you doubt. You've got to check this out. Am I doubting because there's sin in my life? And then I'd be immediately, I, I'd think these, these words or whatever they were, I didn't even know that many, but I just, I'd think a, a swear word. And, and then I'd, I'd be so convicted. I'm, I'm such a bad person. I'm no good. I'm rotten. I can condemn myself so quickly. 
And I don't want to leave us in a few moments where you feel condemned tonight because of some sin. We've all done it. Let him without sin cast the first stone. And if you're one that always wants to magnify the sin in someone else's life, it's because you're trying to hide the sin in your own life. I wonder, I just wonder if Adam and Eve would like to have a redo. When they decided to eat and rebel against the, 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 the fruit and, and the food and, and lie to God and hide themselves from God, I think they'd like to have a redo. I wonder if Jacob, the deceiver, would like to have a redo. I wonder if his mother would like to have a redo and say, no, son, you obey my voice, but I'll seem as a deceiver. And she goes, no, I, you are a deceiver. I wonder if he'd like to have a redo. I, I wonder tonight if Judas would like to have a redo day. And he went and he saw those authorities and said, I'll betray him. I'll give you, I'll tell you who he is for 30 pieces of silver. That was the price of a slave. And they went and kissed Jesus on the cheek and, and, and they gave him the 30 pieces of silver. And then he thought, oh my, oh my, look what I've done. And he took those 30 pieces and said, I don't want them. You guys, you, guys, you people, that, the committee, you can have it. They said, well, we don't want it. And he threw it down and left. And because of that, they bought a potter's field. I was out at the cemetery just recently praying out there. And I always like to stop at the potter's field. Every cemetery has a potter's field. Where they lay people to rest, there's no markers. It's people that had no family, had no money, had nothing, and they just bury them there for free. I like to find the potter's fields when I go places. And, and I think, don't you think Judas would like to have a redo? Here's a man traveling with the Apostle Paul on that great missionary journey. He's a right-hand man. He's right with them. Great things are taking place. But then he leaves town, Paul does, and he came back and he heard word about a man in 2, Peter, 2 Timothy 4. Paul's getting ready for his head to be cut from his body. The great preacher. And word says that Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He was a preacher, and the world meant more to him. I think, I wonder if Demas would like to have a redo day. Stop condemning yourself. I must suggest we live in sin. May we live in sin that grace may abound. God forbid. I wonder tonight if Ahithophel would like to have a redo. I wonder if Absalom, who was trying to kill his own dad, would like to have a redo. I wonder if Cain, who killed his brother, would like to have a redo. I wonder if David and Bathsheba, you know, Bathsheba became a great mother. She bears uh, Solomon. And, and, and Solomon writes the book of Proverbs. Yes, she committed adultery. Yes, David committed adultery. But you know what? They went on and got that thing right and lived for God. Yes, they had a scar. David said, my sin is ever before me. Psalm 51.3. Can't get away from it. That's there as a, a resistance. So God says, I'm going to keep it there so that, that you won't want to go back. David became a mighty man after God's own heart. But may I say, I think they'd like to have that night as a redo. 
I don't, I don't think, they, they lost that evening their holiness and purity and sanctity. They lost a godly, pure life that night. But it wasn't forever. It was that night. I, I wonder if Gehazi would like to have a redo. I wonder if Achan would like to have a redo. His whole family was killed because of him. Tonight I'm coming to you on behalf of this subject as you turn to Romans 7. Unholiness. I plead with you tonight as we're approaching, I believe, the soon coming of Jesus Christ. I don't know when it is, but I want to plead with you, young people, to be holy. I want to plead with you, college age students, to be holy. I want to plead with you, Pastor Trevor, to be holy. I want to plead with you, deacons, to be holy. I want to plead with you, staff members, and ushers, and Sunday school teachers, and bus workers, and God's people, be holy. You sweet mothers, your children deserve a holy woman of God, a holy mama. All of us would like to have redos. Romans 7. In Romans chapter 7, ladies, I'd like you to take the time and read it for us. Right now, verse 15, it's long, through 25. It's always a joy to hear your voices, ladies. Stay together, please. Romans 7. Ladies, 15 through 25, ready, begin. For that which I do, Thank you, ladies and men. For the sake of time, I'm not going to take you to James and have you read. I don't want our service to get away with us, away from us. But, but I want you to know, it's so easy. To, it is so easy to fall from a life of holiness. It's so easy. Sin wars within our members. Paul said, "Oh wretched man that I am." It's easy to have selfish thoughts and sinful deeds and sensual living and self-willed and silver and gold. That's, that's my whole desire. I gotta have money and satanic oppression. It's easy to lose holiness. You'll never lose your salvation. Turn with me to Psalm 51 and I'll, it's the last I'll have you turn. I was gonna give you four thoughts of the ingredients, how to, how to conquer this, but 
Let's instead finish up with Psalm 51 where David writes the psalm in which he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. You know, when I was in Bible college and I didn't know much about the Bible, and I really tried to be a very good student and get good grades, but if I did poorly in a quiz or assignment, I'd always go back to my bunk and I'd pull Psalm 51 out. I did not realize it was David sinning with Bathsheba. I didn't know it was an adultery psalm. But I felt like I let God down and I'd read that Psalm 51 constantly. God used it in my heart. For me, in a wrong sense, for, for a, a poor grade or a poor assignment, but it was written for a man, written by a man. His heart was so broken. That's why God's people, when, when there's some sin in your life, I am the last person that's ever going to criticize you. I, I am not going to come after you and uh, make things worse and, and look down on you. I think that's why you have a pastor. I think that's why you have a dad. The prodigal son, the dad had to let him go. He even let him go with money. But he had to let him go. That boy had to decide, and he wound up in a hog pen. Everybody was his friend when he had money, but when he lost it all, he's feeding with the pigs. And the Bible says when he came to himself, he said, I'm not even like one of my dad's hired hands. I will rise and get me back, go to my father. And he came and his father was out there on the mountain as he was undoubtedly every day watching for his son. And he looked out in the distance and he said, my son, son's coming home. I'm so grateful when we fail in our Christian walk with God, we can always come back to God. God's people may stand in judgment of you. But God takes my sin, and it's already under the blood. And he takes my sonship not away. No, he restores me to fellowship with him. I want you to see tonight, with David's sin with Bathsheba, one, we must admit our sin. Look at verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is every before me say, okay, I've not committed adultery. See, that's what we, what we do as Pharisees. No, I've never been drunk. I've never done this. I've never done drugs. Yeah, but, but, but what, how, how about how you spoke to your mate that wasn't kind? How about the way you treated your kids? How about the anger in your heart? How about you got angry when you drove your car because somebody, and you say things like, oh, that jerk. And you're all upset. How about when you're angry with someone and you're in the car honking the horn and mad at the whole world? Well, I never committed adultery. Yeah, but you committed sin. How about when you spend your day worrying all the time and it removes the holiness and instead you're spending your whole life just worried about it. How about when you're on the internet spreading garbage? How about when you're, uh, this is a big one in churches today. How about when you're disloyal? I'm glad I'm not in a battle of my life with you. There's some folks I wouldn't want to be in a battle of my life with them. They're too negative. 
That's sin. That's a lack of holiness. That's a lack of walking with God. I want you to know that when we, when we, we, we admit our sin, David said, I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. This blame game in 2023, it, it's, it's over the top. Well, it's my dad. I, I did this because my dad, my parents, well, they were Christians. Well, the church, well, the Christian school, well, America's done this to me. We blame everybody, but look in the mirror and don't attack ourselves. David says in this Psalm, 35 times a personal pronoun, I have sinned. Look at verse one. Verse number one says, have mercy upon me, O God. Have a, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin. My sin is every before me against thee and thee only have I sinned. Stop blaming everybody else. When we want to truly live holy, we admit I'm wrong. Well, my wife puts me under a lot of pressure. My husband puts me a lot under pressure. You can't blame someone. I'm so tired of people blaming somebody else. Why don't we grow up? It's me. It's me. It's amazing the first time when you deal with people that get arrested. And you don't have any idea who I do. I dealt with it again this week. They get arrested. And it's everybody's fault but theirs. It's my husband's fault. No, it's your fault. It's your fault. You chose. We run into drunk driving charges here and there. And it's amazing. No, I, I, no, I wasn't drunk. Well, your blood alcohol said you, content said you were drunk. Yeah, well, they were picking on me. You talk about excuse after excuse after excuse. Well, I told the car out. Yeah, yeah I, I, I did told the car out. But I wasn't drinking. Why don't we just admit? David said, I'm going to just admit. Why don't you admit you're a gossip? Why don't you admit you spread rumors? Why don't you admit it's envy? Why don't you admit I, I, I'm mad at my childhood? I'm carrying it in through adult life. Stop. <laughs> it's amazing how, and I love the, and you people are the best, but I'm telling you, it's amazing how many times, well, it's a pastor. I gave you the drink, I gave you the drugs. I gave you the DUI. I, 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 I'm the one that, I didn't do that. Secondly, not only we admit our sin, but we seek truth. Chapter 51, verse six. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. I told you a statistic I read a few weeks ago. It's, it, it, it was, Thousands of people took the survey and they said the person they lie to the most is themselves. Well, let me tell you something, folks. I'm okay. I'm a perfect pastor. 
I've never done anything wrong. I'm not just, I'm just great. I'm the, and, and if we're not careful, we convince ourselves how great we are. When we're not that great. It's so, the, the songwriter said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm not advocating that we sin or we just, you know, I'm just saying well, it's so easy. The besetting sin that's just so easy beset us. So we admit our sin, and then we seek truth, and then we seek, seek cleansing that we heard him pray about tonight. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I only saw my one grandfather a couple times. He's an old German and he spoke real broken English, you know, it was really, really rough, tough. But he was a sweet man. He was a lay Baptist preacher. He worked in the farm and in the factory. And my grandfather, I can remember, he came to visit us in 1956, and then my grandmother died, and he came one more time in the early 60s. And he'd say, Gottlieb? My dad's name's Gottlieb, means God loves in German. Gottlieb, Bible, Bible. My dad says, we have it every night. Pretty soon it's coming up. I remember my sister playing the organ and my sister playing the other one, playing the piano, and I'd play my trumpet. And he'd say this in German, weiter than Schnee, weiter than Schnee, whiter than snow. And there's five stanzas to weiter than Schnee. Whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. That, that's an amazing thing because you know that every, every, I'll call it gran, granule of ice, every snow, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Snowflake. Every snowflake is created because there's a speck of dirt. And that speck of dirt, that water begins to come to an end and cling. And it looks when it falls so white, but inside, in the inside, in the heart of it, in the very center of it, it's dirt. And he'd sing, whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We got done. I remember, I remember we were singing, and I was playing, he was singing. We sang, my parents sang all five stanzas with him. He went, oh, all five stanzas. And he went back to stanza one and sang it the sixth time and then the next verse. And then he did the whole thing, 10 stanzas all together. Imagine that nowadays. But when we want to get right with God and be clean, we say, God, make me whiter than snow. Not as white as snow, whiter. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. Notice what happens next. There's joy that we, we ought to seek joy, not depression, not how bad we've been. Verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Look what he says in verse number uh, 10. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Verse 12, Rejoy, uh, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It hurts me when I preach, when I watch some of you. 
because I've dealt with enough of you with troubles in your life, and I watch, I watch you get under conviction because of past failures, and it hurts me. Recently, somebody wanted to tell me something that happened in their life and years ago, decades ago, and I said, listen, was it a crime? We, we, we report crimes. No, it's not a crime. Was it a violation against children or anything like that? No, it wasn't that. Just something in my life. Decades ago. All right, will you be a harm to this church or is there a criminal offense? No. I said, I don't think I need to know them. Because I don't want to preach about some particular subject and that poor person think he's preaching at me again. It wounds me when I see that preaching sometimes wounds you because you get so beat up over your past. Aren't you glad for that little course? My past is forgiven. From sin I'm set free. A mansion in heaven's wait for me. I don't mean to be careless with this. But sometimes those that have had the greatest failures we would think in their lives, I have the greatest confidence after I've watched them go through that trial and a, a year and five and 10 and all and on live for God a lifetime. I, I'm glad that people can go on and I want to be the pastor that puts joy back in their heart. I enjoyed that men and boys camp out so much as they're from five o'clock at night to five in the morning. I enjoyed that evening just going from group to group and listening and talking and talking individually. And I wanted to leave every conversation where I encouraged somebody. I didn't want to put anybody down or weight them down with anything of difficulty. I wanted to encourage them, you're doing a great job. It's wonderful to watch you with your son. It's wonderful to watch you with your children. And I don't mean that just as a positive. I want to encourage people. That, you know, it's hard. It must, it's hard being a parent. And if a pastor stands in judgment about every little thing you do, I think they'll discourage somebody. I notice we're quickly out of time. Joy comes from within, not from without, or a new right spirit within me. Number five, seek to lift him up. Don't lift your sin up. Verse 14, deliver me from the blood guiltless. O God, thou, God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. You know what happens when we sin and that holiness begins tainted? We beat ourselves up so much, you know what we're doing? We're looking back at us. When God says, looking unto me. And when I, when, I, when I see that, yes, your sin's ever before you, all of us, all of us, all of us. And it's sin. And I've told you this story so many times. It seems like God's impressing me right now. 1963, I was walking home from junior high, and the boy that was in front of us, a rainy day in the fall of the year, it was raining. We didn't have, we had 
gravel for the sidewalks. And the boy in front of us is several years older than us. He'd flunked many times. He was already shaven, eighth grade. I remember the guys I was with picking up stones, not hitting, just flipping them up and throwing them in the back of a hoodie thing type thing he had there. And, and he could feel it. Those guys were making fun of him. I didn't say a word. I didn't make fun of him. I didn't throw a stone. But I was with the crowd. Instead of turning around and beat the fire out of us like he could have, he crossed the street and there was a brand new housing and they had a sidewalk there. But when he got to the end of the sidewalk, he arrived at the Dutra farm. At the Dutra farm, the traffic was there. There was nowhere to walk. He had to cross back over. You know, those boys and me with them had troubled him so much. Without looking on that rainy day, he walked in front of a brand new valiant. I'll never forget, cars don't screech and brakes anymore, I don't believe, but that one was screeching and, and on, that, on that pavement, it was wet and slippery. And, and that lady, I, I saw the terror in her eye. And I saw him fly on top of that grill and land on her windshield. And she's pushing the brakes and he flew off the, off the hood and face down on the, on the pavement. That was 1963. How many years ago was that? 50? 60. 60 years ago. And isn't it something I can remember? I can remember the weather. I can remember the road. I can remember the car. I can remember the sound. Because it's ever before me. I wish I had never been with those boys. I wish I had the character to say, fellows, we're, we're not going to do this. I remember in ninth grade, he never came to school. But in 10th grade, he did. He didn't walk well. That, that has been ever before me. And we all have ever before me. After salvation. One more and I'm done. When we get right with God, we seek to give. I'm not talking about necessarily money. Watch this. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. I think what we need to do when we taint holiness is sow seeds of righteousness. Sowing seeds of righteousness will help us. Singing in the choir is going to help you. Trying to get a friend to church is going to help you. Trying to win someone to Christ is going to help you. Praying for other people's needs is going to help you. Reaching in your pocket and helping somebody with something is going to help you. A kind word or gratitude is going to help you. A letter, an email, something you can do. Yeah, if, if we can keep planting seeds and planting seeds and planting seeds of righteousness, it'll help you as you beat yourself up over our deeds and our acts of unholiness. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. 
May God bless you as you serve Him this week.